Open God's Word this afternoon from Deuteronomy chapter 8, page 180. In your pew Bibles, we'll read the whole chapter, 20 verses in connection with the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so The Lord, your God, disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied and your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. You can... Turn in the back of your hymnals to page 895, where we'll read on Lord's Day 50, question 125, 
of the Heidelberg Catechism. We'll read it responsively. Page 895. Question 125 asks, what does the fourth petition mean? Give us this day our daily bread means provide for all our physical needs so that we may recognize that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our care and work nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. Therefore, may we withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in Congregation, this morning we looked at the temptation of Christ in the wilderness where Satan tempted him, saying, if you are the Son of God, then uh, take this stone here and and turn it into bread. Um, Jesus responded by quoting from that same passage that we just read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, where God says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As Christ hungered in the wilderness, uh, this passage that we just read was on the forefront of his mind. And so this afternoon, as as we think about the fourth petition, I want to consider this verse that Jesus quoted and and really this whole chapter and what it has to say to us about trusting in our Father's care. What this this Old Testament passage from Deuteronomy chapter 8 has to teach us about praying Give us our daily bread. I'm going to consider Deuteronomy 8 in in three parts. Um, First of all, this idea that man does not live by bread alone. What what is is verse 3 really getting at when it says that? Um, Second, the the latter part of that saying that we uh, do live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then uh, lastly, we'll consider how God calls us in the midst of our daily lives Not to forget this, but to remember that he is our heavenly father who provides for us out of his abundance, who, as we uh, sang earlier from Psalm 145, gives food in due season to all flesh and satisfies the desire of every living thing as he opens up his almighty hand. That's what we just confessed a few moments ago as we sang from Psalm 145. That's what we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. First of all, that man does not live by bread alone. What exactly does does God mean when he says this? Maybe you've wondered about that before. Is is God saying that um, spiritual food, like reading the Bible, is is somehow in competition with with real food, so that really we need to not so much focus on what it is that we eat for dinner tonight, but we need to just focus on reading the Bible and, and not really at all on nourishing our bodies? Is God saying here that that, um, physical food is is, um, somehow inferior or unimportant or that um, each of us need to do a 40-day fast like Jesus and and just focus instead of on earthly food, on on heavenly food? I don't think that's what God is, is necessarily saying here in Deuteronomy. I don't think the idea is to set spiritual food over against earthly food as the very context of of God saying this in verse 3 is that he is here reflecting on the real food that God gave them 
in the manna. And so Deuteronomy 8 is not setting spiritual food against earthly food. It's saying that the earthly food we receive is by the word that proceeds from God's mouth. His word in terms of of the the, uh, providential uh, speaking into existence everything that we receive. And as God makes that statement in verse 3, he then points them to the chief Old Testament example of God speaking their very provision into existence in the manna that came by his word. Ultimately, what Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 is, is an indictment on their sense of self-sufficiency. As we confess in Lord's Day 50, it's not our work or our gifts that give us bread to eat, but it is the gracious provision of God. Again, as we sang from Psalm 145, is gracious and merciful. He's good to all that he's made. It's the kind provision of God that allowed Israel to live. And God taught them that through those 40 years in the wilderness. He was teaching them this long, long lesson for them to learn that he was their provider. He's helping them to learn that they could not provide for themselves. They were taught to recognize that he is the only source of everything good. That was ultimately the lesson of the manna. It is the point of that first statement, man does not live by bread alone. What it's doing is it's teaching us to look heavenward and not just to trust in our own ability to provide for our needs. But we need to be reminded that all of our efforts... All of our gifts, all of our money, all of our work, all of everything that we have will do us no good apart from God's blessing. Isn't that why we ask him to nourish our bodies with the food that we eat as we pray together around the dinner table? That's why we continue to ask him, give us our daily bread even when we have jobs in which we labor because all of those things are dependent on God's continued provision. That's what this this first statement is trying to drive home. It's meant to humble us with the realization of our complete and utter lack of self-sufficiency. Some of us think that we can go through our day without God's strength. Some of us think that we can provide for ourselves without God being ultimately the one who, who gives to us. And so God is here reminding us with these words, like he did Israel, that we cannot provide for ourselves. That was the lesson of the manna, not to look to these earthly things themselves, but to lift our eyes beyond them to the one who ultimately gives them. Which is what God gets at in the second part of this verse. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God is here teaching us to direct our eyes away from the thing itself to the giver of every good and perfect gift. When verse 5 of our passage is identified as our Father, notice how it says that in the, the uh, wilderness wandering, when God was, was testing them to see whether they would trust Him, it says in verse 5 Know then that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. I think this is speaking of the kind of discipline that in God's providence we just read of in Psalm 119. Speaking of the discipline 
of affliction, of the, the discipline of want, of the discipline of having everything else taken away so that we have to look to God alone. God is saying, that was my fatherly goodness. Again, to quote Christopher Ashe, it, it is one of the highest marks of the love of the father that he afflicts his children with pain. It's a hard thing for our minds perhaps to comprehend. But that's the truth of what we just read in Psalm 119. It is one of the highest marks of the love of the father that he afflicts his children with pain. We see that in the book of Hebrews also. God was, was here teaching them to trust him. Sometimes God does that by, by taking away the other things in which we're prone to trust. And Deuteronomy 8 verse 5, along with Psalm 119, is, is teaching us to see in that the goodness of our Father. The same Father of whom Christ speaks when he teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. The one to whom we ultimately look, whether in times of abundance or in times of want. And I would suggest that, that this really gets at Christ's use of Deuteronomy 8 as he quoted it in the wilderness, in that passage we looked at this morning. Christ was in a time of want. Christ was in a time of weakness. Christ was in a time of affliction. And yet even in the absence of bread, he looked to his heavenly father to sustain him because he recognized that even the bread that, that he was offered would do him no good apart from God's blessing. Christ, as he quoted Deuteronomy 8 in the wilderness, taught us the patience that God calls us to in times of want as we look to God to sustain us. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. And as God goes on to, to explain this in verses 4 through 10, Notice he applies it not just to the, the food that we eat, but he says in verse 4, neither did your clothing wear out on you. Your feet did not swell or blister in these 40 years, but I sustained you. He speaks of how he will bring them into to a good land, verse 7, of brooks of water, fountains and springs, a land of wheat and barley, vines and figs, where they'll eat bread, verse 9, without scarcity and lack nothing. He says, you shall eat and be full, and you will bless the Lord your God for the land that he has given you. I want you to notice a couple of things about these verses. Um, first of all, I think we're to be struck by the, the comprehensive scope of God's provision. Now, this chapter is not just about bread, nor is this petition just about bread, but, but he, he, he shows us here how he provides them with, with land to live and houses to dwell and clothes to wear, healthy bodies, feet that don't blister. Here God is teaching them the same thing that Christ will say in Matthew chapter 6, not to worry about what we will eat or what we will drink or about our body or what we'll wear, but to trust in our heavenly Father as we sang before the service even gives food to the birds of the air. Or Psalm 145, he gives food to all flesh. And therefore, he will surely provide for his children. There in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to, to 34, Christ reminds us that God is our good heavenly father. 
three or four times in that passage, he reminds us that he is our, our father, that we are his children, and so we can expect the things that we need. Jesus makes that same point in Luke chapter 11, in his, his, uh, Luke's version of the teaching of, of the Lord's Prayer. He says, if even you fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father hear and know what to give you when you ask? Christ wants to teach us that we can expect our good heavenly father to provide us with the things that we need, whether that be food to eat or whether it be clothes to wear or a roof over our head, that God is a good father who will provide. Sometimes testing us and making us all the more to trust in him, but always meeting our needs as he did for Israel through those 40 years in the wilderness and as he did for Christ during those 40 days, upholding him by his power. As we see in verses 4 through 10, our identity as children of our Heavenly Father. We see that because he is our Heavenly Father, we can trust his word that he'll, he'll provide for us the things that we need, whether to eat or drink or wear or whether it's, it's a need concerning our health. And then these verses also show us that he has not only done so in the past, but they point us ahead to how he will continue to do so in the future. Notice verses 1 through 5 kind of uh, point backward to God's past provision, but then verses 7 through 10 point ahead to his future provision. And so it is with us. God has been faithful in the past. Each of us surely can, can attest to that as we do what the, the Puritans used to speak of and, and trace God's providence and look backward to all the ways that he's cared for us in our times of need. We can also trust that God, because of that, will continue to provide for us in the future. Again, because he is our father. Our Lord's Day 50 will provide for all our physical needs so that we might recognize that he is the only source of everything good. That's where our, our catechism leads us ultimately to a confession of the goodness of God. It, it leads us ultimately to confess, hallowed be thy name, as it brings each of these petitions back to that. But, but really, that, that's also where Deuteronomy leads us in verse 10. We're in light of God's provision, his provision of land and, and houses and produce and food and, and drink and clothing, not only in the past but also in the future, then says, verse 10, and you will bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. This passage reminds us that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift, and so it is our fitting response to thank him, to, to bless him, as we heard in our call to worship from Psalm 103. For all his benefits, it's, it's calling us here in verse 10, again, back to the first petition, in light of his provision of daily bread to hallow his name. This fourth petition reminds us of our need not only to continue to look to God, but also always to thank him. Recounting, as Moses does here, God's provision in the past, trusting him in the present, and looking to him for the future, thanking him for all that he has given us, remembering that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. And that's really what verses uh, 11 through the end of the chapter show us. The, the, the last half of the chapter really is a call um, not to forget these two 
fundamental truths of the first half of the chapter, that we do not live by bread alone or by the things that we provide for ourselves, but that we live by the faithful provision of our Heavenly Father. We see in verses 1 to 3 that that man does not live by bread alone, but verses 4 through 10, that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then verses 11 through 20, in light of that, call us not to forget these two fundamental truths. Verse 11, God says, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God. And it goes on to say, by not keeping his commandments, but, but as, as we look further in the passage, it becomes clear that part of what is in view here is forgetting God as their provider. It says in verse 12, Lest when you have eaten and are full and you've, you've built houses and you live in them and when your herds and your flocks multiply and everything that you have is multiplied, then your hearts might be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who not only gave you all of those things, but verse 14, he's the one who led you out of the house of slavery in Egypt. Verse 15, he's the one who led you through that great and terrifying wilderness with its its fiery serpents from which he saved you. Or or he says, think of the rock from which he gave you water or the manna with which he fed you. What, What Moses is doing here is he's pointing them to all of these things and saying you wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for the Lord. Everything you have is from him, your, your very life. So beware, lest you say in your heart that my power and that the might of my hands have gotten me this wealth. No, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you all these things. God wants his people to be reminded that everything they have, everything they are, depends on him. To not forget the truths of verses 1 through 10. To not forget the truth of verse 3, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God as pictured in the manna that God gave you in the wilderness and all of those other ways that he faithfully cared for you. The water from the rock, the bronze serpent by which he saved you, the manna from heaven, the exodus itself. And interestingly, in verses 14 through 16, all of these these things to which God points them, all of these various acts of redemption along the way in these 40 years, every single one of these is actually uh, used in the New Testament as a picture of redemption. And so I think maybe part of, of the lesson for us is that the more and more God drives home what he has done for us in redeeming us from the greater Pharaoh, Satan, and what he has done for us in providing us with heavenly bread in the Lord Jesus and giving us water from the rock by that stricken one Christ and, and causing him, like that bronze servant of the wilderness, to be lifted up that all who look to him might live. The more that we are reminded of God's grace in the gospel, the more that we realize how dependent we are on him. That's part of what God is reminding them in these verses of his grace to them and those types and shadows of the gospel. And the more and more that we see how he has provided for us in that way, the more likely we are not only to look to him to provide for our lesser needs, but the less likely we are to take credit for anything that he's done. 
Verses 11 through 20 call us to a humble gospel dependence that says everything I have, everything that I am is from my faithful heavenly Father through my Lord Jesus Christ. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. And the the more and more that we recognize this, the more and more we'll be driven to pray, give us our daily bread. And help us, Lord, to withdraw our trust from all creatures, including ourselves, and to place it in you alone. The fourth petition calls us to look to the one who has provided for our greatest need in sending his son, our bread from heaven, by which he nourishes us and gives us life. And therefore, in light of that, to trust that he will also meet our lesser needs, even though we do not deserve it. It calls us to a continued, humble, gospel dependence that we exercise through prayer. What that means is that not to pray for our daily bread, but to think that we can provide it for ourselves, is to do what verse 11 says not to do, and forget the Lord your God. Verse 14, or verse 17, to think that your power has gotten you the things that you have. Verse 17 is a call away from self-sufficiency toward God-dependency. And the way that we, we do both of those is on our knees in prayer. And Kevin DeYoung says the, the simple act of getting on our knees and praying is the surest sign of our humility and dependence on God. Which therefore means that prayerlessness is an expression of our lack of confidence in God's ability to provide and our strong confidence in our ability to do so without his help. And that way not to pray this fourth petition is unbelief. Young says the heart that never talks to God is the heart that trusts in itself and not in God's power. Prayerlessness is unbelief which we need to confess and need to be saved from. From our pride that says we get the things we have because of our own power. From our forgetfulness that forgets the ways that God has cared for us in the past, both in redemption and also in providence, or the ways that we complain in our times of affliction and fail to see them as the gracious discipline of our Heavenly Father who is teaching us to trust Him. Even as Christ did in his wilderness wandering, teaching us the way to look to our heavenly Father as Israel failed to, as we so often failed to, but as Christ did perfectly. And again, as we heard this morning, by perfectly fulfilling what Deuteronomy 8 here calls us to, Christ not only atones for our failure by his perfect obedience, but he also teaches us the way of God dependence. He's the one who teaches us to pray the fourth petition is the same one who embodied this petition in his life. Looking to his heavenly father for everything that he needed, trusting in his faithful provision and submitting to him in times of want. The one who calls us to pray in this, same, in this way is the same one who prayed this way himself. 
And then gives us his spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father, give us our daily bread. You have given us your bread from heaven, Jesus. You've provided us with this manna from heaven. You have rescued us from bondage to Satan, sin, and death. And so we recognize that we cannot do a thing without you. As we confess our self-sufficiency, confess our pride by which we think the things that we have are because of the things that we have done And pray that you would work the spirit of Christ into us so that more and more we would pray. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, our faithful God and Father. So give us our daily bread. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we confess that we see ourselves in this passage in your warning not to forget you and think that the things we have are because of the things that we have done. So often we go through our days thinking that we have provided all that we have, not asking you for our basic provision or forgetting the ways that you have provided for us in the past, both in providence as you have guided us all throughout our lives with food and drink and health and clothing and shelter, and redemption. Through our Lord Jesus, the bread from heaven, the bronze serpent in the wilderness, the stricken rock by which we're saved. Help us, Lord, to remember how dependent we are on you in all things. Every fact we're gathered here worshiping you and praying to you right now is not because of anything that we have done because of your sovereign grace by which you have drawn us to yourself, Lord, we pray that that more and more would humble us and not make us proud. That everything we have, everything we are, both spiritually and physically, is from your almighty hand. And Lord, we pray that as you drive these things deeper and deeper into our hearts and minds, you would make us more and more to be a prayerful people working the spirit of Christ, your son, into us, who embodied this prayer in his life and in his death. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Now respond by singing number 524. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, will stand to sing the three stanzas of number 524.
we respond now with our gifts, we'll do so for um, New Horizon Church and the work of Reverend Persaud. That was also the um, United in Prayer uh, update in the bulletin, which we omitted in the uh, congregational prayer to pray for now. Let's uh, do that before the deacons collect. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our brother, Reverend Mitch Prasad, and for his faithful labors in Scarborough. We uh, give these gifts, praying, Lord, that you would continue to uphold him in his ministry there and to uh, bless your word as it goes forth, as we've just been reminded that even the bread that we're given cannot satisfy unless you are the one by the word of your power who adds your blessing to it. We admit the same thing with regard to the uh, preaching of the word that goes forth, this bread from heaven. We beg, Lord, that as he faithfully preaches your word, that you would indeed add your blessing to it. We pray for the saints there as they gather. We thank you for the increase in numbers of those who are attending worship and give you thanks for those who are preparing for a profession of faith and adult baptism. What a beautiful thing, Lord. We pray that you would continue to work there through word and sacrament to build your church. We pray that in your timing and in your wisdom and kindness that you would provide for them an additional one or two elders to take on some of the teaching work. We do pray for your sustaining grace for Reverend Prasad as times of uh, growth like that can also uh, be times of increased labor. And so we pray that you would provide for him also in that way. Uh, bless your word that has gone forth there this day. And we pray now that you would use these gifts for the continuance of that work and for the coming of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>